am. Glory to the light of the world. This is the title of today's sermon. We have all walked in darkness, haven't we? We have all experienced a time in our lives where darkness seems to remain, or are currently experiencing such darkness. We have all wondered where the light was. Listen to one story about sharing the light in the midst of darkness. The signs appeared practically overnight. They had been staked anywhere and everywhere, in front of homes, along sidewalks, around the local high school, each featured just a few uplifting words in simple black type. Don't give up. You are worthy of love, and your mistakes do not define you. The high school in Newburgh, Oregon, had lost two students and four alumni to suicide that year. So the town of only 25,000 instantly understood these messages. And for days, what no one could figure out was who had planted these signs. Amy Wolf had. At first, she didn't want anyone to connect her to them. For one thing, the 36-year-old mother of two didn't really feel it was her place to weigh in. She had done so in part because she lost her own teenage brother in an accident about 20 years earlier, and she felt compelled to address Newberg's grief. She planned the signs anonymously because she wanted them to be about their message, not about any one person. It was compassion for compassion's sake. I couldn't just do nothing, says Wolf. I'm not qualified, but gosh darn it, I can print yard signs. Yet, as Wolf saw the deep core her signs struck with her neighbors, she decided to step forward to share her message publicly. Instantly, her inbox was flooded with requests for more signs. And she asked a friend, a graphic designer, Jessica Bertel, to mock up and print another batch. And then another, and another, and another. We decided to just write it out and not push it. Just keep going until the order stop, Wolf says. That ended up being an inside joke because it never stopped. And that was in May of 2017. Since then, the Don't Give Up movement has spread from Newburgh to the hearts and yards of people in every state and in several countries as well. The science of Morse into wristbands, bumper stickers, pins, stamps, and temporary tattoos. Wolf charges only the cost of materials and shipping for these signs and products. It's a terrible, terrible business decision, she says, if we wanted to function like a business. One of the most heartening elements of the Don't Give Up movement is that it has gone viral, viral in a remarkably human way. People have taken to planting the signs in their lawns, taking selfies, and then posting them to share. Christine Moger commented on one of the movement's Instagram posts about the need for one particular sign. We're all in this together. She thought it would really speak to our world huddling together in the cloud of COVID-19. Wolf agreed, and that she received 750 orders within a week of its creation. A mother in Colorado connected, contacted the organization after her stepson's sudden death to say that her family unable to travel during quarantine, couldn't attend the funeral. We aren't able to be together to love, support, and help each other heal, she wrote. I saw one of your signs recently, and it was a gut punch message from above to hang on. Aware of the added emotional challenges isolation brings, the Don't Give Up movement has since offered to send handwritten letters of support to anyone in quarantine who needs it. 
The group received about 400 requests in just about 24 hours. A young woman in New Jersey wrote that she struggles with mental illness and that the shelter-in-place rules are especially hard for her and her family. She asked whether the Don't Give Up group could send her relatives a cheerful note. And one special education teacher in Texas used this campaign to teach a lesson in unity after his classroom moved online. Isaiah Brown created care packages stocked with Don't Give Up goodies, including wristbands on which he'd written a student's name alongside his own. Then he drove to the student's home to drop off their packages to their doorsteps. Some of the kids were so excited to get the surprise delivery that they ran outside to see Brown through his car window. The next time his class gathered online, the students couldn't stop chattering about how happy the gifts had made them. One student gleefully declared that he would never take his wristband off. It was the best feeling in the world that I could have an impact outside of school by using these products, says Brown. This was a good way to let them know that we care, even though we cannot see them. Wolf's message is about to grow yet again. After seeing his signs online, a literary agent called to negotiate a book deal. Signs of Hope, How Small Acts of Love Can Change the World, is the title of the book that will be out next spring after some last-minute revisions. Wolf shares that she rewrote the last chapter in the middle of the outbreak, not knowing how long this would go on for. But there has never been a more drastic backdrop to the power of hope and empathetic action than right now. I wanted to share that story with you because it talks about how one person decided to do one simple thing and how it grew to share to the whole world even. And how that person shared light in the midst of darkness in the midst of tragedy. In today's questions, I want to ask from the sermon text, which is John 8, verses 12 through 30, for those who you want to follow along. And I want to ask these questions. What is light? Who or what is light? Where is the light when we need it? Is light more powerful than the darkness? And to continue on in the I Am series, is Jesus who he says he really is? Earlier this week, I posted on Facebook, and I said, what do you think of when you think of the word light? I got a myriad of responses, ranging from the sun, to an MMA fighting weight class, to music, Warmth, a city on a hill, being able to see people's names, God, and finally, Jesus. Scientifically, what is light? What is light? What is it that we can see all around us? Well, light has a dual nature of both wave and particle. As it travels like a wave, from a source, like the sun, or light bulbs. It is absorbed as a particle. So light is both an electromagnetic wave that we can see, and it arrives in one location as a photon of energy. So it comes in as a wave, and stops as a particle, which is very interesting. Most things are either wave or particle. We are particles. Just we're not <laughs> We stop, don't we, when we hit something? Yeah. Christ also has a dual nature of both 
divinely human. He came down from heaven to be born as a baby, but still maintains his divine nature. So Christ is like light, isn't he? And light is also what we can see. So the colors of the rainbow, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. We can see those things. But light is also infrared, ultraviolet, x-rays, and other things like that that we cannot see. So it's the invisible spectrum as well. And what is darkness? So what is darkness? Darkness, by definition, is the absence of light or a deepness in color. So when we say something is dark, we either mean we cannot see it, or the color is dark, like my shoes. Dark. That's black. Spiritually speaking, it is the opposite of God. And God and light. What does scripture have to say about God and light? Well, we know from scripture and from our own experience that God's presence is like a light shining through the darkness. And like any flashlight or candle lit in a dark room, the light of God can pierce through any darkness, and even the darkness of our own souls. So God's light is both physical and spiritual. And God demonstrated himself as a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day to the Israelites as they left Egypt in the passages in Exodus that I'm going to read. And also, of course, God created light. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he spoke, and there was light. And it was separate from the darkness. And as we know, light also brings life. The sun rains, shines down on plants, and through photosynthesis, they create food. And through that food, they live. And through those plants, the animals live. And through the plants and animals, we live. So light is a part of the life cycle as well. Remember that. The Old Testament and the proclamation of light. God is portrayed as light at least twice in Exodus. God is also portrayed as the I Am. God is a light to the Israelites. And also, in Isaiah, the prophet speaks of a light who will bring hope to the world, meaning Jesus, the Messiah. And Jesus is the light to the Gentiles as well, not just to the Israelites. Let's turn to Exodus 13 and then Exodus 14. By day, in Exodus 13, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or by night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of his people. So God was leading his people through his light and through the cloud. And then in Exodus 14, it says, Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front of them and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other. So neither went to the other all night long. So God's also, light is also a protection as well against our enemies. And let's look to Isaiah as he talks about the Messiah. I, the Lord, have called you into righteousness. I will take a hold of your hand, and I will keep you. 
to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. Open the eyes that are blind and to free captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. That was Isaiah 42, 6 through 7. And then Isaiah 49, 6, he says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob, and to bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. Who's grateful that God sent the Messiah not only for the Jews, but for the Gentiles as well? We wouldn't be where we are today without the salvation of Jesus for the whole world. And in other passages in Scripture, Jesus saying that he is the light is the fulfillment of Scripture. The Jews looked, as, looked to the Messiah as the light, that he would call himself the light. And it's mentioned many times in Psalms, and in other scriptures, that the Lord is the light in the darkness. The Lord is your everlasting light. And Jesus claiming that he is the light really sent the Pharisees into a tizzy, as we're going to read here in John 8, chapters 12, uh, verses 12 through 30. They never liked it when he proclaimed himself to be the Messiah. But he did. And in the book of John, it references Jesus as the light and the I am several times. The author of John wants us to know that Jesus is also equal to God and of the same substance. And other New Testament scripture says similar things as well. Before we get into John 8, I'm going to share a couple, a few verses from the Gospel of John about Jesus being the light. In John 1, 4 through 5, it says, In him was light. And that light was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Chapter 3. This is when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. This is the verdict, Jesus says. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. John chapter 9 and in John chapter 12, Jesus says, While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Then Jesus told them, You are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are, go, where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light, so that you may become children of the light. And when he had finished speaking, Jesus left them and hid himself amongst them. Now, finally, to John chapter eight. Dispute over Jesus' testimony. It says, as the title of this section. When Jesus spoke against the people, he said. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, 
even though I might testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I am going, where I came from, and I know where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. <coughs> I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true, because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself, and my other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, Who is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him, because his hour had not yet come. What is Jesus saying here? Jesus proclaims that he was the light of the world. Jesus also proclaimed that he was the I Am. These are the words spoken by God to Moses in the burning bush. The I Am, who I say I am. And Jesus refuted the Pharisees' challenge by stating that the Father was his witness. So in Jewish times, or in older times in Jewish culture, when people wanted to proclaim something as true, they needed not just one person to say it, but two people to say it. So the Pharisees only saw one person in front of them. They didn't see two people saying this. But what Jesus was saying is that since he is from the Father, the Father is the second witness to the Son. And saying that knowing Jesus is knowing the Father equates both Jesus, Jesus and the Father. Because when sons said that this, whoever their father was, they were saying that they came from the same tribe, from the same family, and Jesus is saying he came from the same place the Father comes from, which is from heaven. And, of course, this claim should have gotten Jesus in trouble. But, for some reason, he did get in trouble, and it was because it wasn't his time to be arrested. I don't know how Jesus did this many times, over and over again, especially in John, where John would say, his hour had not yet come, his hour had not yet come, his hour had not yet come. But, you have to understand that the Pharisees were often furious with what Jesus was saying about, was saying about himself. That he was the I am. Every time he said that, I can guarantee you that they cringed, at least at the very least. But they were very angry with him. They did not like this. They did not like that someone was proclaiming that he was the Messiah because he did not look like the Messiah that they thought he would look like. But Jesus is the light of the world, and he has overcome the darkness. And we must remember that. That he is our Messiah, he is our light. And continuing on in chapters in chapter 8, verses 21 through 30, Jesus is talking again. Once more, he said, I am going away, and you will look for me, and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, Will he kill himself? Is that why he says, Where I go, you cannot come? 23 says, But he continued, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, 
if you do not believe that I am he. You will indeed die in your sins. Who are you? they asked. Just what I have been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy, and what I have heard from him I will tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. And even as he spoke, many believed in him. When Jesus states that no one can go where he is going, he is talking about going back to heaven. He is talking about when he dies and is resurrected, he is to ascend back into heaven. And why does he say this? He says this because these people are living in their sin, and they have not turned from their sin yet. They cannot go where he is going, unless they believe in him. And only those who truly believe that he is the I am can go where he is going. And for some reason, people thought that Jesus was talking about suicide. And that's kind of why I tied in this, the first story to the scripture, is that the weightiness of suicide and all of the grief that it brings, and all of the confusion and all of the sadness that it brings, is talked about here in the scripture a little bit. Because the people thought, in his day, especially the Pharisees, they held the belief that suicide would send them to a special place in hell. That people who committed suicide would not be in paradise, but would go down to the grave, and would be in a special place forever. They would not be able to go to heaven. That is something that is debated, actually, now, um, on whether that sin of suicide will cause people to go to hell or not. Um, I don't think I can tell, but I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I think that that darkness that overcomes people in that moment over time, and over time, is not something, it's not a causation syndrome. I don't think so. But anyway, people were very confused with Jesus, <laughs> I guess. He had just said he was the light of the world, and then he said he was going away and that no one could follow him unless they believed in him. And when Jesus prophesied that he would be lifted up, he was talking about his crucifixion. This is where Jesus talks about his crucifixion, that the Son of Man is to be lifted up. Similarly, as he talked about to Nicodemus about the bronze snake um, that Moses lifted up to heal the people. And Jesus only does what pleases the Father. And this is something that I look at and I think, how can he continually do what pleases the Father? And then I ask myself, how can I do what pleases the Father? How can I be a person like Jesus and do that? And thankfully, many people believed in Jesus after this. They believed in his message. They believed who he, what he said and who he says he was. And I think that in Scripture, Jesus proved to us that he is who he says he was. And he definitely proved it later in Scripture, when he died his death and was resurrected and came back and shared, and shared more of the good news with the people, and more people believed in him. 
died for us and rose again to give us that right relationship with God. He came to give us a right relationship with God. He came to give hope. He came to give light. And he came to bring the light in the midst of our darkness. Then all who believe in him will have eyes to their sins. And what I also want to share is that Jesus is an everlasting light as well. So the lights that Jesus was talking about that people would see were in the temple had to be lit and relit every single day. And Jesus is an eternal light that does not have to be lit and relit every single day. Just like when we turn off the lights and things go dark or whatever, we have to turn those lights back on. Jesus does not have to be turned off or turned on. He is the eternal light. And we can have that eternal light with us, always, when we believe in him. Because Jesus is the light in the darkness. In him is true hope. In Jesus, we have a hope that is like him that is eternal. We have a hope that gives us confidence to do the things that God has set before us. In Jesus and the hope that he brings, we can go and share the gospel with our friends and family. We can go and live a life that is pure. We don't have to sin anymore with the hope of Jesus. And Jesus, this hope, also brings something that people can grab onto and hold onto in the midst of darkness. I know we're almost done, hopefully, with this pandemic. <laughs> I know we keep saying that. But it has brought to light a lot of things that are dark. And a lot of people needing Jesus more than ever because they've been realizing that they, they have to be left alone for a while, or they can't go to places, or they can't do the things that they thought fulfilled them. Jesus is the only thing that can fulfill us. He is the only hope that we can hold on to, that we can use in our everyday lives. Jesus is the light, and a light that cannot be extinguished. A light that we can look to and not be blinded by, can look to it as a sense of warmth and a sense of goodness and something that will protect us. And that light is something that we can share with other people. Many songs and many times we think about light in our in our worship songs. This is the light of mine. Um, might be the same. There's a Christmas song called um, Light of the World by Lloyd Nagel that talks about giving glory to the light of the world. And we must be those people of light. We cannot sit here and just look the other way when we see darkness coming our way. We are more powerful than the darkness. We are more powerful than anything that can come our way that can take us down. The light is the hope that we can bring to other people.
and to ourselves. We must remember that. And we must remember the light has a dual nature, as does Christ. We must remember that darkness cannot overcome the light. We must remember that Jesus is the I Am, that he is the same as God, God, Father, and Spirit. They are all the same, yet distinctly different. And we must remember that the Father is the witness to the Son, and the Son is the witness to the Father, and the Spirit is the witness to both the Father and the Son, that they all are in agreement with how things are to go, and the truth that Jesus brings. And light can mean many things to many people, but we must remember that it is a part of the identity of Christ, that Jesus is the light in the darkness, and in him is true hope. When you guys go home today, or go out to eat, or whatever it is you do, <coughs> try to spend time um, thinking about what it is that you can do to bring light to other people. Whether it's a physical light, someone's power may go out, I don't know. And you never know. Candles are a good thing. But really, spiritually, what is it that you can do to bring light to other people? We've talked about light, we've talked about what it means to other people. People, you know, light is not heavy, light is the sun, light is warmth, light is good, light is bright, light is being able to see, light is God, light is Jesus. Let's bring those definitions to life. Let's be a people of light. Let's be a people who don't walk in darkness or in fake darkness where we cover our eyes and don't see the sadness around us and look the other way. But let's bring light to all who are with us. Because I know from my experiences um, in being here in Bay City and being other places as well, but I've been here for a while now with my family. And I see it when, I, when I'm out. I, see, I can see people's sadness. I can see people's hurt. And I work in a homeless shelter, and I can see that on some of the faces and in the, hear the stories of the people. That they need light. They need it. They need that all-powerful Jesus that we know to be true. And that we know has brought light to our own lives. So I want to leave you with that. And let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have given us a task to be the light of the world, like Jesus. To bring hope to people that need it. God, I ask right now that you fill us up with your Holy Spirit. That as you send us out from this place, you fill us up with the confidence to be able to bring light to people who need it. To bring light to this 
dark world where people are sad and in despair and trying to fill their lives with things that are not you. <coughs> God, you are who you say you are. You are the I am. You are Yahweh. You are light and you are life. And through Jesus, we can have that life. And we can have that light. And we can have that relationship with you. I pray for those that don't know you to come to know you because of what they've heard today or what they've heard before or what they see in other people who are Christians. I pray that that light becomes their own, and that that light spreads and makes the world a brighter place. And I pray for those who are Christians and who do have the light, that we bring the light to other people. Father, you've given us a task, such a task, that we need you to see it. Holy Spirit, come rest on us. Fill us up, empower us today. Help us to change the lives of other people. Help us to bring light to this dark world. Help us to be those who bring hope to those who need it most. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And as Jesus appeared to his disciples, in the room, he said, peace be with you. And may that peace be with you also as you go from this place to be a people of hope and to be a people who are sent to do, to finish the task that is unfinished. Thank you. You are sent.